What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Self Helpless. I'm Kelsey Cook. I'm Delaney Fisher. And today we're going to be doing a book review of the book Untamed by Glennon Doyle. It is one of the most popular books in the past year, a New York Times bestseller. And it was voted on by our lovely patrons over uh, at patreon.com slash selfhelpless as the topic and book you guys wanted us to review. Um, so thank you so much. If you guys want to vote on upcoming topics for the show, you can go become a patron at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. I was definitely excited to read this book because we got so many recommendations for it this past year from our listeners. So I had not heard about it originally, and I ended up reading it and really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. So one of the quotables from the book from Glennon Doyle is, if you are uncomfortable, in deep pain, angry, yearning, confused, you don't have a problem, you have a life. Mm. Mm. And this, this is kind of along the lines where she talks a lot about in the book that we are we are kind of conditioned to like try to protect our hearts and our children's hearts and everybody like we're supposed to have our hearts in bubble wrap all the time basically right. but kind of letting go of that like you know what if we're supposed to feel everything what if we're supposed to feel the pain and the feelings and everything so that's yeah. kind of uh that's where i believe the for for context where it comes from i also nice. really love this ooh i love this quote so much um this is about her when she was basically trying to she was trying to she was grappling with this concept of the fact that society has has always told mothers that you have to basically put everyone's needs before your own you basically Mm -hmm. have to lose yourself to be labeled a good mother and glennon brings up this idea idea about you know maybe it's not being a martyr for our children maybe it's being a model for them so this is the context for this quote says What a terrible burden for children to bear to know that they are the reason their mother stopped living, 
They will believe they have permission to live only as fully as their mothers allowed themselves to live. <sighs> oh, damn. Damn. <laughs> oh, dude. I, I don't know. I don't know who needs to hear that right now, but I, I've, I've witnessed, witnessed this so many times where, you know, the women in my life, the mothers in my life do put their, themselves last and they've been told it's selfish to put themselves first. And I really yeah. hope we can all encourage each other to take better care of ourselves as much as possible. Um, right. as much as we can within our ability. I know that privilege plays a huge role in that as well. Um, yeah. anyway, the, and just going along this quote, she talks about basically her children watching how she navigates her relationship. We'll, we'll get in more depth about, but ha- it's basically saying like, you know, I don't need to save my children. I need my children to watch me save myself. Oh, oh. My, anyway, guys, listen, all right, we're getting, we'll get deeper in. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so Glennon Doyle, a little bit of background, accomplished Christian writer, was married to a man with a few children. And while on tour promoting her book about marriage, she fell in love with a woman. And from there, we are kind of taken on this path of Glennon sharing about the undoing and unlearning of her own conditioning, basically, when it comes right. to religion, sexuality, body image, race, and more. And she basically had to take all the things she had been told uh, by society and other people and everything about being a good mother and a good Christian and a good woman and a good wife and and dismantling it and rebuilding it to what felt right for her using yeah. her you know her inner knowing her to her intuition whatever you want to call it and what i enjoy about this book is that it's really all about questioning things and not taking things at face value just because sure. it's quote unquote the norm um totally. which i love you know we the, the theme about this show is like we're questioning everything we're trying to find the right fit for us and what's what resonates with you know our deepest self and yeah. So I resonated a lot with this book just because just the changes I've made in my life, I I feel like a completely different person. And it's all come down to questioning my own beliefs, uh, things that I've been trained to believe. One of the the, the stories that kind of it starts off with, and I think this is really just going to be more about a discussion between me and Kelsey about our own conditioning and things that have happened in our lives, more so than kind of going bullet point by bullet point about the book. Right. But it does start off with this scene basically where she and her children went to some kind of like zoo or something. They were observing a cheetah who had been raised in captivity, basically. And the trainer and the cheetah were interacting and all this stuff. And she saw that, you know, the cheetah had been trained to basically act like a dog because it was raised with the dog to tame the dog or sorry, to tame the cheetah. So it's raised right. side by side with the dog. Um, and the dog would kind of do some tricks and then the cheetah would do some tricks. And she noticed that when the cheetah kind of stepped away and was a little bit further away from the crowd, the cheetah was kind of looking outside of the gate into the wild, I guess. Mm-hmm. And she noticed that, you know, the cheetah's kind of body changed and was kind of different. The kids in the crowd were asking like, you know, is the cheetah sad that she's been raised in, you know, this situation? Does she miss the wild and all of that? And the trainer's like, no, she doesn't miss the wild. She doesn't know any different. So that kind of sparks this idea of we have all been tamed in some way 
you know, the wild is within us. You can't take it out. Um, But that's kind of the, that's how this book starts. Right. So how do you feel about that concept, Kelsey? Do you think that, do you feel like that resonates with you being raised as a woman in America? Yeah. um, You know, I didn't grow up in a particularly religious household. I've mentioned before on the podcast that uh, once my parents got divorced, I split my time between two very different houses. And and one of them was um, a more strict kind of Catholic household, although I was not, I, I, I am not Catholic. Um, and so there were definitely, I think, pressures put on just in terms of being like a good girl. And uh who knows how much of that is nature versus nurture if I was just going to be like that anyway, more of like a a good student, a rules follower. One thing that's always stood out to me is um, kind of this pressure to rescue um, that as women, you're supposed to kind of like take care of people. And if you see that something's wrong, that you should go help the situation. And I think in a lot of ways, yeah, that that can be great and that can be a good thing to do. But sometimes right. you have to think about if that's even safe for you. It's right. kind of two contradicting things where uh, we talk about women needing to be aware and be safe and then yet also like go rescue people in situations that might not be safe for you too. I know growing up, I was told a lot, like if you see, if you see somebody being bullied, um, if you see somebody who's having a hard time, you should step in. Like you go be the leader, go step in and stop the bullying, stop something bad from happening. And so I did do that a few times growing up in school, like elementary school, middle school. And then sometimes that would put me into not very safe situations where then like a couple of times the guys became kind of like stalker-ish or creepy. And I had to have like discussions with the principal and like all this stuff to keep me safe. But I was told if you see something happening, you go, go insert yourself. You go be the person that um, makes sure everybody's okay and being taken care of. And I don't know, I don't know how much of that is a gender thing. I don't know if that's just like people encouraging you to be kind and look out for others. I don't, I don't know, but that's something that as I've gotten older, I've had to think about um, and just be like, what are the consequences of of being um, like really warm and kind potentially to somebody who isn't a safe person to be that way with, like somebody who might misinterpret your kindness? Mm. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. 
Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Along those lines, I think with my own conditioning or or not even conditioning, but just uh, also just what poses a real threat in a lot of situations is that every interaction I have with a man by myself, I, I feel is a potentially threatening situation. And so right. I, you know, even just talking to cam and stuff, it's like, Oh, if somebody said that to me, I would tell him to fuck off or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I don't have the luxury to do that sometimes because I could be attacked yeah. um, or, or something and feeling like, the the niceness that I have to be in certain situa- situations that I maybe don't want to be so nice in is a uh, survival instinct. And I'm more talking about when, when I feel threatened in w- within like a man's presence, not, not kind of uh, other things. Um, but wanting to kind of stand up a- about something and then feeling like um, if you do something bad is going to happen to you. Um right. And so, and even situations of being, you know, younger, um, in my twenties, like I was followed to my car at one point by two men, um, and, uh, was, was about to get in my car and they were asking me what I was up to and where I was going. And I was so terrified and I didn't try to like run or get in my car and drive off. I was nice. I was, I was talking to them because I was thinking maybe I can convince them not to do anything to me oh, if I'm nice, so you know? And, yeah. and I don't even know if it would have escalated to that as somebody saw and kind of like intervened, but stuff like that is like, I don't, I don't know if uh, most of my, the men in my life have had that kind of situation happen. So that shit sticks with you. And even right. if you're going into a situation where it's not a, it's not a threat. It can feel that it can feel that way. So yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that I remember as a kid, and I know Glennon talks about this in her book as well, is that all these stories that were told as little girls growing up, like little red riding hood, like, Hey, Hey girls don't wander into the woods. Cause you're going to get eaten by a wolf. Like, or, or like, what is the, what's the nursery rhyme about? Like the, somebody gets pricked by a finger do you know what I'm talking about? There was like a finger prick and then I think they fall asleep. I don't know. But basically- Sleeping if, Beauty? Um, maybe. Is that right? I don't know. But basically, this whole <laughs> so. all these themes with these like nursery rhymes or fairy tales or whatever mm-hmm. of if a woman ventures off outside of what is expected of her, she gets hurt. She gets harmed in some way. Right. Um, and I also remember as a kid- that, uh, and, and this is talked about in, in untamed as well. Um, the Adam and Eve story, I grew up in religious school settings. So everybody knew about the Adam and Eve story and another kind of example of like, okay, when a, when a woman kind of is seeking more or wants something different, things go wrong, things go terribly wrong. And I remember being in elementary school when we're learning about the Adam and Eve story about how Adam or sorry, Eve convinced Adam to like take the fruit, the the forbidden fruit and everything went to shit. Right. Right. I remember the boys in school being mean to the girls saying everything bad in the world is your guys's fault. Like everything, everything is a woman's fault. Everything is a girl's fault. You guys are the reason that there's suffering in the world as a fucking elementary school kid. So that shit, I mean, (laughs) that's, 
That's a heavy load. That's a heavy load for an eight-year-old, right? Yeah. So that's like, I even forgot that. Reading this book made me right. remember those types of things because it's just been so, it's been the norm. She mentions like, even if you're looking at a shampoo bottle that is being marketed to a man or in a shampoo bottle that's being marketed to a woman, it's like the language on the woman's bottle is like calm and pure and beauty. And the, the you know, man shampoo is like bold and strong and fuck shit up, you know, whatever. <laughs> like even right. just everything can be very, very subtle. Do you remember having any toys or anything as, as a little girl that you didn't see you know, like the boys in your class playing with and stuff like that? Oh, I was such a girly little girl. Um, I mean, and I I also played sports and all of that, but yeah. I I had like Easy Bake Oven. I had all the Barbies. I was very girly in that sense. Um, loved makeup, all that. So yeah, I I grew up in that environment of very much like I was playing with the girly toys and boys in my school were playing with the hot wheels and all that right yeah i remember like i had you know you have that little like fake kitchen and i mean all the all oh, yeah. the toys for the little girls you got the little fake kitchen set up oh, it's like I bright had the fake yellow kitchen. right yep, you yep. have the baby doll it's like we're we're teaching these little girls to be like start cooking and taking care of babies you're two years old let's catch up you know <laughs> start baking cakes by light bulb in your easy bake oven that's a real fucking oven that shit is that can that is that shit turns on delicious it, it can Might burn I your add. finger yes i love it by the way the oh, little i can still taste that yellow cake with the chocolate frosting in my mouth <laughs> so fucking good i loved i loved my easy bake oven but yeah also going through um mcdonald's getting happy meals toy happy meal toys there's the girl toy and there's the boy toy right right you know but it's just so funny like we're we're being gifted like kitchen appliances while the, the little boys are like ah look at my plastic truck that i'm freaking scraping all over the walls you know yeah, it's so right. it's it's really fascinating these things that we've just taken like well that's the way it is. Right. Glennon brings up a, a point in the book where she, ha she has uh, two daughters and a son, I believe. And there's a bunch of kids at her house. They're all watching a movie. And she walks into the room and asks, hey, is anybody hungry? Anybody want a snack? And the boys keep, they, they stay kind of glued to the TV. They keep staring at the TV and they answer right away. No, thanks. Or yeah, or whatever it might be the girls all kind of look at each other and determine if the group is going to say no or yes. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. Oh, still do that. I, I know what that feels like. Yeah. Like we're not even, uh, we're not even told to trust our hunger in some situations. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Or like, don't be an inconvenience. Don't be like, an inconvenience. If you're the only one that out. wants a snack, that's an issue. Like everybody yes. has to want it or else you're going to be a burden exactly you don't want to put you don't want to make somebody do all that work just because you want a fucking pizza roll right like yeah. that's oh i thought that was fascinating and because she was able to observe it in a group setting you know there was like a few boys you know several boys several girls and all the boys did the same thing and all the girls did the same thing wow i mean that's that so that was a fascinating moment i found and i could relate to that a lot yeah and she talks about the fact that you know she 
obviously this inner knowing she always had about like who she was and what she believed it was always there even if it was kind of you know buried under some other things and she struggled with an eating disorder and substance abuse and talks about just like numbing she wants she needed to like numb her inner knowing in order to kind of survive and get through her life right um so i find that um i'm sure we can all relate to that in some way where yeah. maybe you're feeling like you're not acting in alignment with what you truly believe. And so you have to like distract yourself or numb yourself to kind of get through that. Yeah. And she even talks about the moment where I think she was walking down the aisle to marry her husband. The The story is basically she she got pregnant at an early age. They got married and kind of even knowing walking down the aisle like this is kind of, this is going against my inner knowing and, mm. and doing it anyway. So like, right. Even when you do hear it or listen to it or feel it, right. We're often told to ignore it and move on. Right. So right. it's interesting. It's like, it's not even the case that, oh, it's not there. And we have to do so much work to uncover it, to even find out what it is. It often is there. And we do the opposite anyway. Well, and also that I think um, idea of don't ask for too much, like just take what you are getting and make the best of it. And yeah. Yeah. She she does. She talks about that idea of just, you know, we're, we're taught to just be grateful, be grateful for what we have and not want any more, you know, just be grateful just be grateful that, you know, your partner has a job and, and X, Y, Z, you know, like just, just be grateful for that and don't look outside of that. And I would be curious too, for our male listeners, I want to know what your experience was growing up compared to ours, because we, we only have our perspective. Um, Mm -hmm. and I want to know if, if you felt any of the things we're talking about, or if it was so different and that you guys haven't felt that sort of pressure on you or, or anything like that. Just Absolutely. Yeah. So Glennon in her, her book, um, obviously she goes into a lot about being, you know, conditioned as a young woman and a girl and all this, and then, um, starts to kind of certain things kind of lead to the fact that she realizes, Oh shit, I have a son too. What has his conditioning been like? Um, maybe it's, it's something where, you know, you're not tending to your, your sons in the same way as your daughters or, you know, those types Mm. of things and not, um, you know, their, the conditioning for, for young boys and men and stuff is, is, can be just as problematic, like suck it up, you know, don't feel your feelings, move on, be a man, you know, all that, all of that stuff, um, leading to them feeling like they are not able to express themselves. Right. Oh my gosh. She brought up this idea that I completely related to where she talks about how, she, you know, when, when women get together, they talk about, I mean, we talk about everything. We can get through like a life story in 15 minutes. Basically <laughs> we, we really dig deep. And she was talking to her then husband at the time about like, Oh, he, he had gotten home from a, seeing a friend or something. Oh, and she started asking, how's so-and-so's wife? How's the job going? How's this? What about, how's his mom doing all this stuff? And he was just like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Uh, I think fine. I think fine. Well, what the fuck did you talk about? Oh, talked about probably the game, you know, the sports and the, the finance or the work. And, and so even, and I'm like, I, I feel like I've had that conversation with so many of my <laughs> Yeah. My friends who are men about 
that's kind of the norm about what you talk about. Right. You don't. And I wonder if that's preferred, if that's just something that like is a thing that men carry on and continue to do because that's like what you're supposed to do. But if you like actually do want to talk about your feelings or stuff that's going on, uh, or if you are happy to kind of not talk about it and Right. Also, that's so like can't put a we can't put a blanket on like all men. I I right. know some very very sensitive men who have friendships with other men. And they talk about their feelings and stuff. You know, it's certainly not like yeah, of course, of course, the case across the board. But yeah, yes, and I I'd imagine if you grow up thinking that you are not supposed to show your feelings, I'd imagine the thought of showing your feelings even subconsciously as an adult can be pretty scary. Yeah, it might lead to criticism or something else. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Um, she mentions in the book that um, her young her young son at the time had a couple like of his his friends in the car. And she was asking them questions about, you know, themselves and how they felt about something. And one of the little boys started kind of opening up about something and he kind of got shamed by the other two. And she had to basically step in like, no, share your feeling. That's a really courageous thing to do and all that stuff. So you're shamed if you're being shamed by, you know, little kids, that's going to stick right. with you the way that our conditioning is stuck with us. Right. Um, so I thought that was interesting on the other, on the other side too. It's not just a one-way kind of conditioning. Another concept that she brings up is this idea that it's often not like, it's often not like strangers who try to pull you away from your inner knowing or your intuition. It's often the people that really love you the most that you're the closest with, you know, the, the people that, that project their own kind of fear onto your situation and your um, feelings of not wanting to disappoint the people that you love or, you know, that, that kind of concept, of course, I resonated with that a lot too. Like you want to make your, your family proud and, and so many of our traditions we feel are, are based in such love. Like we have warm memories about our families doing certain things for us or telling us certain things or sharing stories with us that if we start to maybe disagree with some of those beliefs, as we get older, we often feel like we're rejecting their like love in a way. Right. Um, so I think that's, that was a, an important point too, where I don't know, have you ever felt like you had to kind of choose between doing what you wanted versus making somebody really close to you happy or, you know, feel better about something? Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, I think divorce is such a, a big thing that, uh, a lot of families experience generationally. At least that is the case in my family where there's divorce like <laughs> kind of all over the place and and obviously my uh, my own divorce. But um, I think 
yeah, you can, when other people in your life have gone through the divorce, that can make their perspective on marriages um, very different. Where some people might be really hard up on like, um, divorce is great. Like, it kind of depends on like how you come out of a divorce, right? So some people in my family are like, divorce is a great thing. You know, you, it's better for, for everybody if you feel that you're doing the, the right thing for you. And then there are some people who are like, don't get divorced. Divorced is uh, like a recipe for loneliness and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know what I mean? You have so many familial things and pressures put on you um, when you go through a divorce of like not wanting to disappoint people. Right. Absolutely. I would even say like, yeah, even um, just thinking about my own career choices, <laughs> you know, um, right. have brought a lot of fear in other people kind of out and, you know, felt like they needed to talk to me about it and address it. And yeah, this idea of like, I'm scared that you don't have a real job or you're not going to have a real job and you're going to not have that security and all of that. And like, well, you know, I'm scared too, but I'm fucking miserable with my status quo corporate job. So for me, it's worth the risk, you know, and, and being kind of willing to disappoint some people or maybe make them a little afraid, (laughs) you know, of of what you're doing in order to kind of follow that inner knowing or wanting something different and wanting something more because we are, even if it's kind of unconsciously or subliminally, we're really not, we're, we're taught really not to, to go after much more or want more, or even when a case of Oh my gosh. And in the case of women spending money and having wealth, oh my, that's a whole nother fucking podcast episode. Right. But just the way people talk to me versus Cam differently about money or work or whatever it might be, it's this theme of when they know I'm spending money on something, it's like a conversation. And when some, and he's spending money on something, it's, no big yeah. deal. That's what men are supposed to do. I mean, it's very strange. Yeah. Um, so I've been in conversations um, this past year just about the fact that I spend money on different services, um, like a meal delivery service, because I don't enjoy cooking. People are very freaked out by the fact that a woman does not enjoy cooking and that I need to learn how to enjoy it. Right? Yeah. Uh, where it's like if Cam's like, I have a meal service, nobody bats a fucking eye. Um, yeah. And that I have, you know, I have a laundry service, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing our laundry, um, which has led to me growing my business and having more time for my family and all this stuff. And, and even the fact that I have to explain it right now in this moment shows my conditioning, you know, I have to justify <laughs> right. spending my money on right. things that I want to spend it on. Um, right. you know, having a, getting a personal trainer that brought up questions about like, that's really expensive, you know, all that. And like, I, for, for me, it's completely worth it. And I'm, I'm responsible with my money and I, I trust myself to manage appropriately. Um, and so just those types of things that, that I have noticed or being in social situations with maybe a man in my family and me standing next to them and the different questions you might get asked by people where they ask the man about work and business or whatever. And they ask you about relationships and dating and, you know, yeah. like all, all of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you have any kind of moments where you've been in conversation where you have 
felt like you were being treated differently as a woman. I know that obviously there's a million instances, especially being in, in entertainment and stand up, but right off your head. Um, well, I was just going to say too, and you're talking about the, getting the personal trainer and how the people have, people want to question you on that. And I feel like it's such, there's such this message to women of like, invest in yourself and, um, in your self-improvement, but not if it's at the cost of your relationship or your children's like, yeah, your care for your children. Right. right, 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 right. Um, so to see a, a woman like using her money to do what she wants to do and taking herself, taking care of herself in a way that's like, quote unquote, like above the regular thing of, mm-hmm. you know, you could just watch a YouTube workout video for free. Right. You have the ability now in your life to do something that's going to make you feel better. And you've talked before about it's helpful to you to have that external accountability. Yeah. Of like, I tried I have- the whole YouTube video thing for 12 fucking years. Not working. I got to try something different. <laughs> it's not working. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've seen so many compilation videos online of when movie stars are being interviewed and it will be like, let's say Avengers interviews, for example. So on a panel, it will be like Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr. and Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. And the men will be asked questions about, uh, you know, I, I can't think of things specifically off the top of my head, but just very like professional. How did you prepare for the scene? Right. <laughs> professional questions. And then it will get to be Scarlett Johansson. And it's like, how do you feel knowing that you're giving men across America uh, hard-ons? And it's right. just like, can, hey, can you maybe just ask me about like my acting? Because that's what I mm-hmm. do. I'm an, I'm an actress. Uh, I just saw something on TikTok about an old Megan Fox interview during the Transformers time of like, you know, how does it feel knowing that you're like now the sex symbol of America and blah, blah, blah. And it, there's just such a drastic difference still in questioning right. between women and men. Oh, yeah. And they even see, I mean, I think this has been brought up all over the place. The red carpet questions. It's all about yes. what are you wearing? What are you wearing? What are you wearing? Versus, oh, how's how's everything going in your life? You know, like, Right. It's so it's becoming clearer and clearer to us, I think, um, how right. we're treated. And even, um, you know, in entertainment, I've, I've mentioned like um, even how somebody introduces you to the stage can be like, you know, they're, they're having your, your male counterpart come up to perform and they're like, you've seen him on comedy central and this and that, you know, and give it up. And then the next one is like, and we got a lady coming up and, uh, you know, and maybe they're fumbling over your intro or they did, you know, or I I've told this story probably before where somebody introduced me as, are you ready for a little vag? And then had no credits, no credits listed. Are you ready for a little vag? Um, So I got up there and I said, thank you so much. Keep it going for a little dick, little dick. (laughs) Anyway, um, but that stuff would happen all the time. Ready for a female? (laughs) I love you, man. The the comedy world lost an icon when you stopped doing stand-up because – that's incredible. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that's even something like that as simple as introducing you for your job. It can yeah. be so very different. And all the time. Think about the audience perspective. They're seeing the men go up there with all their credits listed. They're like, oh, wow, this person's so credible. And then you have similar credits or the same shit and they don't list it. And they're like, who the hell is this lady? Right. So it just it yeah. affects so much. Um 
Right. And like even being on set in like filming settings where, you know, people are going over jokes and like the better everybody's kind of talking about what their jokes are and the better jokes are getting approved for the men to say on the show and the women are getting the shittier jokes that nobody really wants. Like, anyway, it's all very, uh, very fascinating indeed. Right. There's also a point in the book where Glennon talks about um, (laughs) being like the cream cheese parent. And she has this example of like bringing snacks to one of her kids' soccer games and how she brought like a couple cream cheeses or something, something she didn't bring enough cream cheese options or something, right? Where it's like, there's a couple and um, people were encouraging her to bring like every type of cream cheese for the kids, something along those lines. And how we have a tendency to really laser focus on our own family, our own situation, our own children, and her talking about encouraging us to like, instead of laser focusing, why don't we channel some of that energy into everybody else too you know the 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 world at large children at er, er, everywhere all over the world all over the planet so i liked that as well as just um yeah sometimes it's hard to zoom out and certain things feel like a really big deal um in our day-to-day and if we were able to kind of channel that energy into um you know some other things and causes and, and stuff like that um i also like the part of this story where she, you know, she's married to a man, she's Christian and Mm -hmm. she falls in love with a woman. And at the time that this is all happening, she's about to um, release this book called love warrior. It's been selected for Oprah's book club, almost guaranteed to be a bestseller. And it's about her, her marriage. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how is she going to release this book when she's about to basically start a life with not only somebody that isn't her husband, but a woman? Yes. And um, that she was so afraid that that was going to um, kind of like be the downfall of her career and that it wasn't going to, the book was going to bomb basically. Um, And then instead when she came out with that information, she was just like flooded with support and love. And I always, I love hearing stories like that, where it's like the thing that you're afraid to tell people about because you Mm -hmm. think it's going to, Oh my God, people aren't going to accept me. And then it ended up being now it's like this untamed is mega best selling. Yes. And I believe she announced that she was doing that on her book tour at one of the events. I think she was there to talk about her book while also saying, my marriage is ending and I'm in love with a woman. <laughs> and yes. so she, you know, she had all this support and stuff, but she also got publicly excommunicated by like the church and got a lot of, you know, the opposite of that, the opposite right. of support and um, cut to now like her, her, like she, she has this amazing family where she has her wife and her former husband has a partner and all of the kids are there and like they do things together. It looks like, and she just basically changed this narrative of what family is. And, um, yeah. I thought that was really, that was really awesome. Um, I remember as a kid, people being really surprised that my dad and my stepdad were friends. 
Like mm-hmm. my dad, they they hung out. They they coached a basketball team together. They were wow. seen out. Yeah, being, that is unusual, right? And um, people are like, how? What is going on? This is so weird. And um, I really liked that. I I liked that. Um, you know, my parents were able to be around each other and yeah. not only just tolerate each other, but have a good time and have good conversation and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. And Glennon opens up about the fact that there had been infidelity in her marriage with her husband. Um, you know, on she her had her part or his part? On his part. Oh, okay. Um, and, you know, just not feeling good in it for quite some time. And the moment she saw her wife for the first time, it, it was, I think it was at some kind of um, book event, if I remember correctly from the book. Um, sh- her, her wife walked in. And she said her, like her inner self said to her, like, there she is. Like she knew right away that that was her person. And apparently everybody at the event could see this like connection and spark between them two. And she talks about some of the instances that were people coming up to her, like, I just feel like you really need to be in each other's lives. And here's like, you should reach out to her and like all this stuff. And apparently everybody could really see this, like this instant connection between the two um and that she talks about everything she talks about grappling with the idea of do i stay in my marriage do i go um do i trust that this is what i want is it selfish selfish to trust this is what i want and just the whole her whole thought process around that and what that means for her as a mother as a woman as a i mean a daughter everything and I know for this episode, we are really focusing on the more social conditioning around uh, gender, but she also goes into conditioning about a lot of other things. Um, she talks about sexuality and body image and like diet culture, um, racial equality. She talks about the nonprofit that was birthed from all this called Together Rising, where her organization connects people she i think she calls them like the warriors in their homes versus the warriors like on the front lines basically uh-huh. and they've raised a lot of money for different causes so it's i don't know it just kind of it can really spark a lot of things for you and inspire inspire right. you when you kind of dig deep into what you actually want versus what you've been told to want right oh there was another instance in the book where i think her daughter came home from school and was talking about how there's always a kid in class that doesn't have his, it doesn't turn his homework in. Like he doesn't turn it in on time or he doesn't do his homework. And she was really, you know, her kid was really frustrated about it because he was holding them back from like getting a pizza party or something at work or at at school, you know? And, you know, Glennon talks about, she talks a lot about, about how she kind of responds to things now versus how she used to just being more aware of her own, you know, reactions to things. She started asking her daughter, like, why do you get your homework done every day? Well, you make me do it. Okay. And what, so what, you know, what do you think would lead somebody to not doing their homework? Oh, maybe th- nobody's really telling him to do it. Oh, what would, you know, and, and, and kind of asking your kid these questions to basically get to the end result of, wow, maybe he doesn't have parents available to him at home. Maybe they're working late. Maybe they're not, you know, maybe there's something else going right. on and building that insight and compassion into your children from a very young age. And she kind of makes this comparison of, you know, a kid who might be able to understand why somebody is not doing their homework or can't get their homework in becomes an adult who might understand 
why an adult is doing something or why mm. somebody is acting. You know, I think she makes reference to why a parent might try to carry their child on their back over the border or something for a better life. So it kind of teaches right. you to, yeah, look beneath the the surface on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, do you have any final thoughts on this topic, Kelsey? I don't think so, but I'm I'm really glad we did it. I think it's an important discussion to to dip back into. Yeah, I recommend checking it out. Um, she's very transparent about a lot of things. She also talks about like the history of abortion and um, like uh, the church being against homosexuality and all that stuff. Where where that is that came from. She talks about questioning authority in certain ways and how that, you know, the response was to that. And I really like her sentiment of the fact that instead of trying to avoid heartbreak at all costs, if you kind of lean into what breaks your heart, you'll usually find your connection and your purpose. And uh, I really, uh, I, I liked that sentiment as well. So right, it's okay to not be happy all the time. Nobody's happy yeah. all the time. It's actually okay to like unpack why you're not happy yeah. and have and a cry, have a cry and have a wee cry. And it's like, yeah, find, find something that you like find a cause or, or a difference that you want to make in the world and, and go for it. All right. Well, we have an iTunes review of the episode. This is from LPF 2018. And they say, love this. I feel like these girls are so honest and real. And I love hearing their take on all things self-help especially during the pandemic. There's so much clutter when it comes to finding ways to self-help slash self-care, but I feel like I can trust these girls to share good tools. I look forward to it every week. Thank you. Well, I love Thank hearing you so much. your guys' appreciate reviews. It. Very much appreciate. Um, you guys are lovely. If you haven't yet, take a second, go, go leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes if you can. We just, we love staying in those top iTunes charts and that way more people can find us and we can grow our community even more. So we're coming up on four years. I can't believe it. Oh my gosh. That How the is fuck so. How did that happen? June. Wow. How untamed of us, really. How truly <laughs> untamed. Wild women showing their tits for meatball recipes. I don't know what's more untamed. Oh my God. You know what's you. so funny? Was that on like the first episode I said that? Because somehow, like, that is carried through for all four years. Well, that's like my favorite story of you ever. <laughs> And there's a lot of them. And that's still, I don't think anything will ever top that. That to me is just like, if somebody were to write a character to, for television and you were going to describe in one sentence what the character was like, and you said that, you're like, got it. Cool. Totally understand this person. Like, I know what I'm, yep. Cool. You get their brand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so funny. Yep. Even the other night I was in the kitchen and Cam's like, you still haven't made that fucking meatball recipe that you showed your tits for. It's you just wanted to show your tits to somebody. I don't think the meatballs were really important in that, but... <laughs> Uh, yes. Um, do you have anything that you want to, uh, any hot segments? Yes. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my dear friend, Jamie Lee, who has a new show on Netflix called The Wedding Coach. It is so great. I, I binged the first three episodes last night. She's just wonderful. It's so fun. She wrote a book called Ridiculous about kind of like going through the wedding planning process and helping people get through it in a way that they can still enjoy their wedding and take the pressure off of a lot of things. Um, and it's just so fun. Each episode follows a different couple working through the issues that come up while planning a wedding and still trying to maintain a happy relationship. And it's just a feel good, fun show. So go check out The Wedding Coach on Netflix and uh, nice. 
Washington, D.C. I'm coming to you guys at the D.C. Comedy Loft May 13th through the 15th. I will be at the Comedy Club of Kansas City May 20th through the 22nd. And then a whole bunch of other tour dates coming up. You go to KelseyCook.com for tickets. Awesome. And I just want to give a hot wreck really quick. I watched Self Made on Netflix last night. It's an incredible series inspired by the life of Madam C.J. Walker, who's documented as America's first black self-made female millionaire. And she was a washerwoman who became an immensely successful entrepreneur by selling hair care products, opening up salons, uh, opening up her own factory. And she employed thousands of women across the country with her training programs. And I believe that there were several artistic liberties taken in the telling of this story for the sake of the screen, but I thought it was great. And the only reason I even know or knew who Madam C.J. Walker was when I was first scrolling through Netflix is because of Rachel Rogers at Hello 7. She has a membership program called The Club that I was part of for several, several months uh, this past year. And I just absolutely love Hello 7, Rachel Rogers and her entire team over there. And she talks about Madam C.J. Walker a lot in her messaging for the Hello 7 brand. So I definitely have her to thank for familiarizing me with Madam C.J. Walker in the first place. And also just a big shout out to Hello 7 in general. They have a course inside their membership called Worthy, and it is a phenomenal life-changing course for women, especially where a lot of our beliefs Um, They kind of discuss where a lot of our beliefs come from, the systems that are in place that make us feel guilty for going after what we want. And she just overall encourages women to stop feeling guilty about making money or wanting to make more money. And what a big difference we can make in the world if more women had a good chunk of dough. Anyway, highly recommend all of that. Nice. All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you so much for listening as always. And we hope that you have a great week and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Self-Helpless Podcast. You can find our Patreon community, merch, and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend or feel free to post it on Instagram and tag at selfhelplesspodcast so we can repost you and say thank you. Yeah.